Luke chapter 13 and verse 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, this is our Lord speaking, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How oft would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Notice there's an exclamation point there. There's not many of those in the Bible. It'd be an interesting study to find all the times that you found an exclamation point in Scripture, but that emphasizes the point that he was making there. Ye would not. He said, I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you refused. So much for those who say that you cannot resist the Holy Spirit. So much for those who teach irresistible grace because it's simply not scriptural. Right there, they resist the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost once to the Jews. He said, ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Would you turn with me also to chapter 19? Jesus had said on a couple of different occasions uh, that Jerusalem refused to receive him, and he wept. He wept when he said it. Here's another occasion that occurs at the triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. The Sunday before Resurrection Sunday, or what is more commonly known as Easter, the Sunday before is Palm Sunday. It is the Sunday that the Lord rode into Jerusalem on a colt, the full of an ass. It was what we call the triumphal entry. They threw uh, coats and, and robes and things down and palm branches down in front of him, and they waved palm branches, and they said, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And I want to talk about an event that, that, that occurred, I believe, just before the triumphal entry that is usually not talked about, but something that is involved in that, that day that we call the triumphal entry. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Now... In verses 28 down to verse 40, that's the triumphal entry. And then you have 41, you have this, this event here. And I believe what Luke did, I believe Luke did a flashback. I don't think that what we're going to read about in verses 41 down to 44 happened as he was riding on the colt, the full of an ass. I don't believe it happened. I believe it happened as he passed over Mount Olives and was near Bethany. And when he first viewed Jerusalem, so even though it comes in order after the triumphal entry, I believe Luke gives a, a flashback and gives a, a, an event that happened in relation to that. When he was come near, he beheld the city. You see, he would have already seen the city the whole time he was descending from the Mount of Olives, coming down to Jerusalem. And then finally, when he got down to the bottom and was entering into the city, that's when he got onto the colt and rode into the city. 
But I believe he just came up over Mount Olive. He beheld the city, a panoramic view of Jerusalem. He could see the whole thing. And he beheld it, and he looked forward in his mind's eye, being God, being all-knowing. He looked forward 40 years and saw Jerusalem destroyed by Rome underneath Titus. When he was come, he beheld the city and wept over it, the Bible says, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, <coughs> excuse me, exclamation point, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a branch about thee, or excuse me, a trench about thee, encompass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation, because thou knewest not the time of of thy visitation. <clears throat> the theme of our message today is light rejected becomes darkness. Light rejected becomes darkness. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you and bow before your holy book, Lord, I pray that these words today would go into our ears, would sink down into our hearts. And God, I pray that they would be received in the spirit in which they were intended. Lord, this moment when, when you rode into Jerusalem this day with all of the fanfare, you knew what was in the hearts of men. And you were able to look on that city and to, to weep over them. Your heart was filled with sorrow, knowing that what was really in the hearts of men, that they would reject you. The great vast majority of those people would reject you, but there would be some who would receive you, some who would believe. And I pray, Father, for these here, if there's, if there's one here today that has never received you, Father, I pray that you'd show them that they are truly rejecting you, as long as they remain undecided, that that, that is rejection. And I pray, Father, that today would be the day of salvation, if there's one here today that's not yet saved. I pray that you'd bless our prayer requests, those that have been mentioned. I pray that you'd bless our tracks as they go out. Pray for salvation for sinners in this area. I pray for the war that's going on between Russia and the surrounding countries. And Father, I pray for those soldiers that are there in harm's way for their protection. Pray that you'd use their, their uh, chaplains to preach the gospel. And I pray for the missionaries that are there on the field serving you. I pray that you would multiply their efforts and give them fruit for their labor. Bless the Sunday school teachers. Bless the children as they're learning today and preparing for our program next Sunday. And I pray that in everything that follows, Lord, that we would know that you're here within us, within our midst, with your special presence. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now notice the Lord, when he was come near, he beheld the city. Now whether you believe that happened after the, uh, or during the ride 
uh, into the city on the colt, or whether you believe that that happened as he came over the Mount Olivet and saw the panoramic view of Jerusalem, that's really a side issue. The thing that the Lord points out here, as he looks on the city and he laments over Jerusalem, as his heart is filled with sorrow, he says that in the end of verse 44, they did not know the time of their visitation. They didn't know the time of their visitation. That meant when Jesus came to visit with them, when the Messiah came. They didn't know this time spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And Jesus says here that they should have. He said that they were responsible to know about this in verse 42, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, which is interesting that he said peace because that's what Jerusalem means. It's a city of peace. He said, if you had, not, if you had just known what belonged to your peace, you could have had peace with God. But now, because you didn't know, because you didn't study your own prophets, because you weren't tracking the prophecies and the fulfillment of prophecies. He says in the end of verse 42, Now they are hid from thine eyes. They were given light. They were given scripture. They were given the prophecies of Daniel, something we've been studying here in this church. And if you come to the other services, you're aware of this. And he held them accountable. Visitation in the Bible refers to God's coming either to bless or to judge. And they could have been blessed. God's first coming into this world, the first advent, was Christ, the babe that was born in the manger. He came to be the Savior of the whole world. He was sent into this world to seek and to save the lost. And God gives peace to those who believe. This is exactly what Paul told us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, If you had known the things that belong to your peace, but they didn't know, but he said, you were responsible to know because I gave you the prophets. And God never does anything without first telling his prophets. And he tells his prophets, they preach it to his people, they record it in scripture, and you can count on it. If God says something is going to happen, you can count on it. It's going to happen literally. And it'll happen right down to the very detail. So they had been given this prophecy and this visitation, and God came to bless. Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to condemn this world. I came into this world to bless this world. But they rejected him. Oh, sure. On that day, Palm Sunday, as he was riding into Jerusalem, there was all the fanfare, hundreds of thousands of people cheering him on saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, but Jesus knew what was in their hearts. Those same people, many of them, would be the same people who would cry out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate would say, Why? What has he done wrong? I find no evil in him. Crucify him! Crucify him! 
You can't count on what the crowds say or even what the crowds are doing. And a crowd doesn't necessarily mean that God's in it. You see, Jesus looked over the whole situation and he wept because he knew what was going to happen. Because light rejected becomes darkness. Because they, re- they rejected the light of the truth of the prophecies, at the end of verse 42, then these things were hid from their eyes. Light rejected becomes darkness. This is how God deals with men. He'll hold you accountable for the light that you receive from his word. You see? Light refers to something that is good and pure. It refers to truth. It refers to God's visitation. It refers to God coming to bless. And he'll give you some light. He'll give you his word on something. And then he'll watch and see what you and I do with it. And if you receive that light, he will give you more light. You understand? The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, right? And a light unto my path. And I've known some people to receive some light from the word of God. And when they receive it, they don't receive it well. They receive it and they rebel against it. They buck against it. They kick against the pricks. They, they, they receive it and then they get all stiff, hardened up towards God. I'm not budging. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. And you know what happens? When God gives you light on something, if you reject it, it becomes darkness. He won't give you any more light. That's the way he works. He'll bring you to a certain point in your life in light and truth, and he'll watch and see what you do with that truth. If you receive it from the word of God, he'll give you more truth. He'll teach you more. I've watched it in people with their lives and practical situations. I've watched it in people with their understanding of the word of God. They're not, they're not willing to let go of preconceived notions that they had before coming to the Bible. And so when that happens, God won't teach them. And I've watched them go for years and not advance in their understanding of the Bible. But then I've watched other people who let go of their preconceived notions, just come to the scripture, let the Bible interpret itself, just sit in church and just start to soak it up. And you watch them grow and get grounded in the truth. And they become solid, steady Christians. Why? Because when you come to this thing, folks, like I heard one of the first pastor that I sat under, I heard him say this several times. He said, when I come to this Bible, and he was in his 80s, he said, when I come to this Bible, I come to this Bible like a little child. This was a man who was a doctor in, in theology. You know, he was a, not a dummy, but he didn't, he didn't flash that education. He said, I just come to this thing like a little child. And he said, I'll just open it up and I'll say, Daddy, Teach me something. I don't know anything the way that, you know, that I ought to know it. And he said to just come to it like a little child. That's the right attitude. And then to come to it and to study it. Now, you know, folks, you and I have received knowledge from the word of God. And God will hold us responsible. Watch what we've done with it. And light rejected, as I said, becomes darkness. Watch, watch. They should have known about the 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel You see? And look how the Lord handled it in verse 41. He handled it with a tear in his eye. He wept. He was 100% man, you understand? He was moved emotionally by their rejection. 
His heart filled with sorrow, and the eye affects the heart, the Bible says. The eye affects the heart. He looked on Jerusalem, and he thought of their peace. He thought of their blessing that could be theirs. But he knew the hearts of those that were in Jerusalem, the religious leaders and those that followed them, and he knew that they would reject him. And it filled him with sorrow on a day when everybody else was rejoicing. You see, in his heart was sorrow. So he does not judge men with blindness lightly. He does it with a tear in his eye. And he said, if you had known, if you had just known, known what? Briefly, about the 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel 9. According to Daniel's prophecy, at the end of the 69th week of that prophecy, those are weeks of years. So at 483 years, the Messiah would be cut off. Daniel knew this because Daniel studied the prophecies. God will bless you if you study his book. He, he studied the prophecies and he knew, according to his prophecy, that he would be cut off in the city of Jerusalem and that the temple would be destroyed. You see, it was all right there in their books. They should have known it. The 70 weeks began with the biblical decree that authorized the rebuilding of Jerusalem, Nehemiah chapter 2. So at Nehemiah chapter 2, with the biblical decree, you can go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city, rebuild the wall. That started God's time clock. Tick, 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 tick. 483 years passed by, and it came right up to Palm Sunday, this day, about 2,000 years ago. Right there was the triumphal entry, and that was 483 years. You see, the Bible and prophecy, you, you can't compare this, this book to any other book. This book's got every other book beat because it's the only one in it that's got prophecies like that that are fulfilled literally right down to the detail. That right up, right up to Jesus coming into the city on the, on the colt, right there begins his Passion Week. From there, he, he's got his eyes on the cross and he's, he's heading to the cross. The Messiah will be cut off. Sir Robert Anderson is well known as having calculated the end of the 69th week to fall on Palm Sunday just before the Lord's crucifixion. Now he says here, if you had just known, but they didn't. And so he said, because of that, your eyes are blinded from this truth. Now that was their responsibility, you understand? He blinded them because of their unbelief. Because they did not know their scriptures. Because they rejected their Messiah. Verse 43. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies. Who's that? Again, imagine the Lord just looking on that panoramic view of Jerusalem. And he sees Rome entering into Jerusalem, the northern wall, trying to take the city under the uh, Roman Emperor Titus, the son of the Roman Emperor Vespian. He sees him coming in, A.D. 66, to take Jerusalem from the northern wall. And he says, Thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee. They were not able to take the city. When they tried to enter in and breach the wall at the north, they failed at taking the city. So therefore, they cast a trench all the way around Jerusalem, dug a trench to keep the people from getting out. 
Then they build a wall, a wooden wall. They burn the wall down, and so they build another wall that wouldn't burn out of stone and out of earth. They cast a trench, they compass them about. They, they say, uh, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, that this wall that went around the city, uh, it was four miles in a circuit, four miles of wall built around the city, and they did it in three days. So determined were they to take Jerusalem. And Josephus says this cut off all hope of escape. Then notice in verse 43, and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. Now, folks, listen. Don't let that just go in one ear and go out the other. This is Jesus saying what is going to happen in 40 years. And it happened exactly like he said it. There's no other book like that. Whatever you might think of Buddha, whatever you might think of Confucius, they don't have a book like this. The only book in existence like this. Whatever you might think of, of, of Islam, their Quran doesn't contain prophecies. This is God's book. This is God's truth. If you reject it, it will become darkness to you. You will be rejected by God. The Jews were starved through the spring and through the summer. Once they put up that wall in April, they starved them out until September. And the most horrific accounts of this have been recorded. And I'm not going to say them from this pulpit. I mean, they were terrible. Talking about resorting to cannibalism because of hunger to starve out the city of Jerusalem. The soldiers overthrew the city, killing hundreds of thousands of people in A.D. 70 when Jerusalem was sacked. 600,000 is the estimate that were killed. Those who were left were used in the Roman games and in the circus as bait for the lions or whatever to fight the gladiators, to watch the gladiators just destroy somebody. They were used for this. Romans 11 verse 22 says this, and don't forget this about your God. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell, that's Israel. And how did they fall? Because of their unbelief, because they rejected the Messiah, the one who was prophesied to come, the anointed one, the Christ, the Son of God. They rejected him. So on those which fell, severity, but toward thee, that is, Gentiles, the church, those who responded to the preaching of the gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again the third day, that God does not want you to go to hell. God loves this world, he proved it at the cross. And he's willing to take all who will come to him by faith and forgive them, give them eternal life. Take them home to be with him in heaven for all eternity. But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. You see, behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. You know what America preaches today? They preach the goodness of God, the goodness of God, the goodness of God, and they leave off the severity of God. So I've just made it my job to make sure I preach both. And uh, that you, I'm just giving you the word of God. And listen, what are you going to do with the light? What are you going to do with the light that you have received from the Lord? Light rejected turned into darkness for Israel. Verse 44, 
and shall they, uh, excuse me, and shall lay thee even with the ground? Man, just cut them off at the foundation. And thy children within thee? He's talking about they're just going to lay you out on the ground. Lay your dead bodies out on the ground. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. And that was fulfilled, literally, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. There was a rumor amongst the soldiers that within the temple and within the walls surrounding Jerusalem, that these Jews, which were so wealthy, they had a reputation for being able to make money, and they held great, vast amounts of gold in Jerusalem. They, they, there was this rumor that somewhere buried in the walls or underneath the temple or underneath the walls surrounding the city, there was gold. And so the, the soldiers, they overturned every single stone of that temple before they were done. Every stone was overturned. Not one stone was left upon another. They dug into the ground to find the gold. Just like Jesus said it would happen. And he says, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Now, the Lord will deal with men today in the same way. Light rejected turns to darkness for unbelievers of this age, too. Would you turn with me to 2 Thessalonians? I'll give you a minute to find it. Go all the way to the right in your Bible, and you'll find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then you'll find First and Second Thessalonians. If you get to Timothy, you, you went too far. If you get to Hebrews, you went too far. But it's Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Before I came in to preach this message, I told, uh, told Chuck back there I was going to walk outside and just stand out there and enjoy the sunshine for just a minute and just look up into the sky and just say a quick prayer because I knew I had a real serious message to deliver this morning. And I like to come to church and have a good time, you know? I do. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just knew the message for today is a very serious warning. So I just went out there just to get a little bit of that sunshine and and just to pray real quick, Lord, bless me so I can be a blessing today. But help me. Help me to be faithful. Listen, we're going to leave this auditorium. We're going to walk out there into that beautiful sun, sunny weather, even if it's just a little while. We're going to enjoy that sunny weather. The cool breeze. I looked at the flag, you know, the flag still waving, representing the country that I serve and gave uh, four years of my life to. Um, I look at what that represents, and I think about that. But listen, this country has only been blessed because the people of this country received the Word of God and founded this country on the Word of God. If you don't know that, it's because you haven't been taught history. There's only two countries that were ever founded on the Word of God. That's Israel and America. And God has blessed this country because of what we did with this Word. And right now, America wholesale is rejecting the revelation of God as found in the Bible, even the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. They're rejecting it. And you watch what is going to happen as a result of it. What is already happening around us. We, we won't escape this, but I'm putting this on a personal level. You see, the goodness and the severity of God, you've got to have both. 
Listen, I'm preaching as a dying man to dying men. Our life is temporary. What you do with Christ in this life, what you do with God's words, will determine your eternal destiny. And there's a lot of blessings, there's a lot of good things along the way, but you've got to get this settled. You've got to get this settled, and you've got to think about the people in your life who don't have the foggiest clue what we're talking about. You've got you to reach them. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 says here, Let no man deceive you. This is Paul speaking to the church. Let no man deceive you by any means. He's talking about end times events. What happens just before the Lord visits us for the second time. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. He's talking about what's going to happen in the end of the church age. In the end of the church age, the church is going to fall away from the truth. And that man of sin be revealed. That's talking about the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's the Antichrist. So that shows you where we are. That's talking about at the end of the church age, then will come the tribulation, and then the Lord visits again. There will be a second time of his visitation. Look, folks, notice in verse 3, except there come a falling away first. This is what he's talking about. This is the church standing for the truth of the word of God, and they fell from it. The end of the church age is, is a picture of a church that fell away from the truth, refusing the truth of the word of God, and fell away from it. And as a result, what happens to the Next generation. What happens to the children if the church falls away? What happens to your family, your friends? But there will be some who are standing, but you see, it's a church rejecting the scriptures, rejecting the light. And so notice what he says in verse number 8. Verse number 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. That's talking about the Antichrist. Now the church is gone. They've been taken to be with the Lord in the rapture of the church. What happens to people that came to churches like this, heard the preaching of the word of God? Maybe your children, maybe friends or neighbors. They came to church, they heard the gospel. Maybe they came to VBS all their life and they, they bailed out at 18 like so many do. They say 7 out of 10 will bail out by the time they graduate high school. What happens to them, those who were never converted? He, they rejected Jesus Christ. This is what happens. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, eventually God wins, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs in lying wonders. He's going to lie to people. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. But wait a minute, he's got a job to do. His job is to deceive to lie, and his lives will be characterized by unrighteousness. In them that perish, there's the souls of men on this earth, earth dwellers, because they received. Why do they perish? Because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You see that? Those who are left behind when the church is taken up, they will perish. Under a damnable, deceiving lie, they will buy into that lie. The truth will be hid. 
from them. Just like the Jews who were judged by the Lord for not receiving him at the time of his first visitation, at the second visitation, those who have heard the gospel in this age of the church and refuse the gospel when the church goes up, they, they will be blinded. They will be deceived by the lie. They will receive it because of their own unbelief, their own choice. You understand? Watch, watch it. Verse 11. And for this God, uh, for this cause, what? What cause? Unbelief. They would not receive the love of the truth. There's a God weeping over this. You can count on it. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Who? Those who would not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. And the lie is bigger than evolution. It's another deceptive lie. It's the system of the Antichrist. They'll go along with it. They'll go along with the Antichrist. They'll believe a lie that they all, look at it, might be damned. Now, folks, that's in your Bible just as sure as John 3.16 is in your Bible. You say, what happens to the people who won't get saved after the church is raptured out of here? Listen, if they've heard the gospel... If they've heard the gospel, they will be damned by a deceptive lie. They will be condemned for it. Now, the other people on this earth who never heard the gospel, they are going to go into this seven-year period called the tribulation, and there are going to be evangelists preaching the gospel all over this world, and there will be many, many, many souls saved during the tribulation period as those Evangelists go about and preaching the gospel, but it'll be a different kind of salvation because they'll have to avoid the mark of the beast and they'll probably die a martyr's death. It doesn't cost you anything to get saved today. It costs Christ everything. But you might just mess around and mess around and mess around and play games with God until finally it's cut off, man. It's closing time. You don't have to go home but you can't stay here, God says. And uh, just like this wasp that just landed on my pulpit. Those things sting when they get you, don't, don't they? They sting more than bees. The other day, I know a little boy that got stung right in between his toes. Man, that's a bad place to get stung. But uh, he got stung by a honeybee. That's not as bad as getting stung by a wasp. But that's not as bad as getting stung by the sting of death. And Jesus Christ took the sting of death for you. Why, oh why would you not get saved? If you're not saved today, why would you not get saved? I don't understand it. It's Jesus looking over Jerusalem, weeping, saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he's probably saying in his heart, why would you not receive the blessing and the peace but instead, it's severity. Why would you say Hosanna and then reject me? It's like that songwriter who, who wrote, Why did you sing Hallelujah if it meant nothing to you? Leonard Cohen. And you know, there's a lot of people in church who sing Hallelujah and it doesn't mean a thing to you. Because in your heart, you've never really received Jesus Christ as your Savior. So why sing praise the Lord, you know? 
and there will come a time. Can you look at one last passage, and we'll wrap it up. John chapter 3. I want you to see Jesus' heart because I'm afraid that I might paint the picture in a way that's not accurate. So I want you to see finally, I want you to go home with Jesus' words since he's the one who weeps over the lost and the condemned, who wouldn't receive the love of the truth. I want you to see what he said in John chapter 3. Not verse 16, but what he said in verse 17. We often stop at verse 16. But you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth gospel, chapter 3, and verse number 17. And I want you to remember what this preacher said today. Light rejected turns to darkness for unbelievers. It did for the Jews. It will for those of this age who have heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard it again and just keep on rejecting. One day, God will cut it off and that'll be the last chance that you got. That'll be the last chance. John chapter 3 and verse 17, For God sent not his Son into this world to condemn the world. Do you see that? The message of Jesus is not a message of condemnation. It's the love of the truth so that you can be saved. But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not, listen, is condemned already. You understand? That's your condition before coming to Christ. You're already condemned. You're already guilty before a holy God. You're already just as good as in hell with the door shut. He comes to you and saying, why will you die? Come to me for life. But he hath not believed, he that hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God is condemned. Verse 19. This is the condemnation. How does this judgment work? Here it is. That light is come into the world. That's Jesus. That's the truth of the gospel. And men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. You see? I don't want to come to God because if I do, I'll have to admit what I've been doing is wrong. I don't want to come to God because if I do, I'll have to admit that there really is a holy God up there and he's a judge and he's going to judge me and I'm going to be guilty. Therefore, I decide not to believe in a God. I decide to believe in evolution. You understand it takes faith for both. It takes faith for both. You want to believe in evolution? Okay, but you're going to have to take it on faith and they'll tell you that if you pin them down. It's a theory. You've got to take it on faith. You want to believe in God? You've got to take it by faith. One leads to death, one leads to life. One leads to the lie that I'm not going to have to give an account for this, but you will. You'll have to give an account for every idle word, every thought, every deed. You'll give an account. There'll be, there'll be severities, different levels of severity of judgment in hell, depending on what you've done. But he says, this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light. Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. You see it? Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. You know what I would like to say to you this morning as we close? You have to make a choice. It's faith or unbelief. It's either you come to the light or you stay in the darkness. Which is it? Which will you take?
delight. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed, eyes closed. You say, what does it mean to believe on Jesus Christ? Listen, if I heard a message like that, and I heard that God would condemn those who rejected the love of the truth, I would just say, God, I'm on your side. I'm coming to you, and the best way I know how I'm taking Jesus as my Savior, I don't want to go to hell. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to tell you what it means to believe on Jesus Christ.